I, okay. I never know what to say when people ask this question. Tarayan says something not everyone else has said so far. <laughs> Hi, I'm Natalia, and my favorite color is blue. I'm ending the recording now. record Done. something <laughs> uh yeah for those who don't know me um i started eyp in 2014 in eyp ukraine and since then did like 30 plus events been in a lot of countries i don't know it sounds really stupid like there you, go, you said the things that everyone else says yeah what do i i, I think blue blue's perfect yeah blue, is perfect. blue. <laughs> blue works well what am I point like yeah it's just like it's super difficult like if I if I really rant about like what I did in EYP I did a bunch of stuff it's really insane I've been a, I've been a trainer I, I I ran a board of EYP Ukraine I was in a GB and then resigned <laughs> worked in an IO office was on a training council I don't know <laughs> I can edit that into a coherent intro <laughs> so like are you are you based out of kiev these days or somewhere else no somewhere i live in berlin yeah. oh, berlin the last five nice. years damn how, how is germany treating you good pretty well well i moved for uyp but now i'm i'm working in tech in a startup right now product manager so full-scale tech career <laughs> building here <laughs> <laughs> Nice. So, how how does one move for EYP? Like, what what is that? I mean, I think that's the classics. Like, I moved here uh, with an internship for for the office. Ah, for the IO. Okay. Yeah. So in 2017, I was an intern for like three months, from Feb till till May, and fell in love in Ber with Berlin, <laughs> nice. and I stayed. <laughs> But then, like, it was a long journey of staying, basically, because, like, I tried to find a job, didn't work out from the first try, went for studying, then found a job. So, yeah. But I was working for the office for, for quite a bit since I moved, actually, because, like, I was doing some projects for them for the office for, like, about a year while I was studying, mm -hmm. like, as a part-time. And then at some point, that all got stopped. <laughs> Yeah, and I moved to I moved to like uh, N twenty six like a mobile bank, so that was like my start mm. in tech, basically. Nice. And what does yeah. your current startup do? Uh, it's HR tech. Um, so I'm currently building a, a software which helps to hire people. So we automated reference check process with the platform, and now like building a couple of spin-off products as well to kind of build it in into like a platform for for hiring. It's like uh, insights about candidates and then like future the employees, trying to move it a bit bias less, more data driven process. Nice. I, I remember. Uh, I remember reading an article about like an, another piece of. Um, uh, HR tech uh, specifically for kind of trying to focus on let's make everything data driven let's take the current candidates and understand uh, let our bots like understand the CVs and performance and all different stuff of our current candidates and let the AI match it against future candidates to kind of understand uh, who's going to be best for the role based on all the data that we have here um, but of course, all of the biases from the previous selection was basically maintained. So if the person was black, if the person was from a certain neighborhood, if the person, etc., they'd be like, oh, we don't see that kind of person currently working in this role. They're probably not going to be good for this role. <laughs> so then the AI was literally <laughs> like the most discriminate <laughs> thing. I think that was, that was IBM at one point. And then they had to like put out a public message kind of apologizing for it. And Amazon also had a, a similar thing on that. <laughs> I know. I mean, it is a tricky, tricky field in general, especially like people selection and biases. That's like a very, very tricky area to operate in. And a lot of companies want to brand themselves as they're doing something good versus like they're more like 
know, selling the dream. They are not actually there. <laughs> <laughs> and so as you've been going like through that kind of journey, and I guess you've been kind of now looking at biases and thinking about people selection from a different point of view, um, have you kind of gone back to think about how we do that stuff in EYP? Yeah, of course. <laughs> that crossed my mind. Yeah, I mean, I find it really funny. Like, I, I saw this comment uh, recently in the uh, International Governance Group, I think. So something that I still, like, slowly follow. And, like, there was a lot of um, comments about the current member platform, if I'm not mistaken. It doesn't allow you to see candidates before the deadline has passed. So you cannot see the applications, I think, of people who have applied. And uh, there was a lot of noise of like, yeah, why it's so, like, I want to review the applications on an ongoing basis. Got me thinking. I think your brain works in very creative ways, especially when you see the familiar face and, like, you saw that somebody has already applied. And I know, like, there have been so many efforts to kind of, you know, do the blind selection, so hide the names and like, for example, like just read through applications, not knowing who they are, like what's the history and whatnot. But still, yeah, it kind of creeps in. Like you see a familiar face, you immediately start, you know, remembering what you heard about this person. Like, do you even know this person and whatnot? And I think for me, when I was in selection panels, it was, I must say, really difficult to, you know, stay stay really objective. So I was really happy when nobody who I knew applied to any of the things I was in charge of, because then I was like, ah, fantastic. I have no idea who this person is. Let's just read through the application. But then, yeah, the rest, I think it's it's hard to really realize how much of like whoever tells you something about this other person really impacts you, like the way how you read what they say, like it's it's just, it's insane. It's really insane. So even like when they said that they closed this thing up before the call is up, I was like, well, that might be the good idea. Because <laughs> then like, I don't know, you might receive, I don't know, the information in a chunk or something. I don't know what they're doing currently with this. But yeah, still selections are, are, are really tough. Uh, I think at least like in my time, they have been quite, quite tough. And then I don't know, it's like another example of, of on Trace Forum in 2017, Joel, you were also part of it, was like the thing, the Nora William presided and like I was on the board there and we had a fully female board and she was very proud of it. And like we had this big thing about, you know, we are a fully female board, never happened in YP history before. Ta -ta -ta -ta. Now it still got me thinking, you know, like what exactly it was about, you know, I don't know. It's a bit hard to explain being on a fully female board how does make it how does it make you feel right it's like it's a bit conflicting i would say i don't know as i felt like at some point we tried to prove the point that like a fully female board can like work <laughs> and i think that was also like a little bit of another angle to it which is maybe also you know not the greatest to take hmm. yeah so many points in there to grab onto <laughs> <laughs> so i'll start from the top when when you talk about this kind of having being happy about not knowing people that apply to your session, it's a kind of kind of a tricky thing because on one hand, that would be the ideal situation that you get so many cool applications that you don't know any one of them, and you're able to gather a fully competent team from them. But in so many cases in EYP, the kind of standards we set for our sessions, we do end up not getting enough qualified applications. And at that point, you're, it kind of flips and you're happy to see those familiar faces because you know that, okay, I at least got this many qualified applications. And I think that's also one of the problematic things about not being able to see who see the applications before the end of the deadline because you're completely unable to assess the quality of those applications. Like in the Ankara IF, we had basically a standard of I want to have people in my chairs team who have at least one or two physical chairing experiences. And we got a big list of applications with two dozen people that have only done digital things or uh, even a handful of applications that have never chaired before. So you kind of run into this risk of like, how, how do you know 
whether uh, how to look for the selection panel if you don't know how many qualified applications you have. No, I see what you mean. And it does get tricky because you, you feel like you're losing time, right? Like by, by not knowing. I don't know. I mean, it's also like, I think it's nothing wrong to really work with somebody on something that you know they're good at. So I don't, it's, I think it's a really tricky topic, right? Because like on one side, you really want to give everybody, you know, freedom to apply and freedom to be chosen. And like the, you know, the selection panel being not biased at the same time, for example, right now, even like in corporate and startups, if you're a founder, you need to look for the team. And like, let's say if your startup is not really not having a brand, it's really difficult to find somebody who will be ready, you know, to work with you for an idea because I don't know, they don't want to take a risk. They don't know you, etc. So like quite often where do we end up is that um, the founders reach out to their former colleagues. They're like, hey, I have this new venture. Like, do you want to join me as a first, you know, X, Y, Z? And for example, even right now, my team, um, I think 50% is former colleagues of the founders. And like, they are qualified to do their job. So, I mean, and the founders also have confidence in them because they worked there before that, they, you know, they are there to do their job. So on one side, it's tricky. On another side, yeah, I mean, the things get done. There are people to do the work. And I think with EYP, at some point, like, I could think the same. Like, you have an open spot. You haven't got anybody for it. And then, you know, there has been, like, this other colleague of yours, EYP, who, who did this mm -hmm. job. You would invite them. <laughs> you would say, okay, please join me because I really need you to do X, Y, that there. Mm, so, yeah, it's a bit... I guess, like, in my time, there were, there were a lot of discussions of, like, you know, like, groups of people consistently you know traveling from one session to another like sort of clubs of friends and whatnot i think i had a really mixed feelings about it because on one side it kind of feels from you know from external perspective like you cannot break in right like so you are like mm -hmm. okay i got my bunch of sessions but like hey how do i like break into the cool kids they are seem to like whatnot presiding everywhere with their bros and girls and their panels but on another side i kind of also can get the feeling like if you are already forming like a really working sort of a relationship and you know it works, then like also you do your job well then. And um, it really depends what are we trying to achieve there? And I don't really have an answer, to be honest. I don't know. I mean, Nathan, you also worked with same people over and over again at different projects. Mm -hmm. And I think you all, you did too. Like what, what is your guys' perspective in terms of getting to work with new people versus like having this comfortable sort of. Yeah. I, I feel like that that kind of comes about on two levels on the one level is definitely like you described about when you kind of see a list of applicants and then you start to, you know, and you can trust certain individuals. So you're like, Oh, that'd be perfect to have them as this role or them as that role or, or stuff like this. So I don't know if I say for like, for example, for the Yerevan IS, for, for for a lot of let's say like board and stuff like this um a lot of the people i kind of knew in advance or like the editor or stuff like this and as soon as you kind of see those applications you're really excited you're like cool it's really amazing that we have this person etc uh, but i think on the other hand it's also kind of caused by when you kind of really get on with a lot of people and then they see that you are going to be in a certain session they're like oh yeah i want to go back and kind of work with that person again so it's also like a self-selection so one thing that I, st I saw a lot that happened in selection panels is people would be um people would be applying so much bias of the person themselves to what they read in the application itself they said yeah you know they wrote this and i understand from this person's perspective because xyz and they start to kind of fill in a whole bunch of gaps of what that person didn't actually write in their application so what i started to do for my last kind of few years is i like the the first read of the applications would be blind uh, so without the members platform, without anything like that, it would just be what they wrote in the application, full stop. And then they, mm -hmm. uh, people then kind of color code those kind of things. And then everyone's already said, this is how I feel about the application. 
cool. Now you've done that step, you then move on to, okay, this is the people we have. This is how we felt about their application. This is what we see on the members platform. And then it kind of gives you like three things to discuss where you say, okay, we have this person. Has, has somebody had experience with this person? What do we know about them? And you can discuss that. Then we saw their application and we've already said how we feel about their application. And then you look at the members platform and you can see their experience. And now you can... It's not being unbiased, but it's being aware of your subjectivity that like I've been in a selection panel before where somebody had one of the best applications, but wasn't selected. And I was like, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> like, this is crazy. They're like, yeah, but because this person and X, Y, Z, and they started explaining more stuff. And I said, okay, if they come back and ask why, are you willing to kind of give the reasons that you said just then, <laughs> like personal reasons, uh, to them and it i felt like it kind of like allows that to happen but even when that happens it still kind of fell into the same cycle because of that self-selection side of if you've done really cool sessions with certain people and had a lot of fun working with them then they start to apply to where you go next a lot yeah that's true i got another thought while you were talking about selection process in UAP because like I do the reference check product for mm -hmm. hiring right now. One thing I really didn't like uh, from UAP days was the whole reference process that uh, you mm -hmm. needed to have this uh, recommendation letter, which then was, I don't know, transformed so many multiple times. Firstly, we didn't like recommendations. Then we created another system. Then all of a sudden after ISS, we had to write, I don't know, a letter to everybody. If you were a chair to all the delegates, so on and so forth. I don't really know where this system is currently. Like, do we still do it after each session? Do we write recommendations? I think there's an evaluation system. Yeah, in place. evaluation. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's no longer about recommending the person because, but yeah, beforehand, the um, the recommendations created a second issue, which was previous IS chairs were basically the only people who would preside main sessions around EYP because it would only be somebody who's been an IS chair who is allowed to write a recommendation. So if an NC wants their members to be able to go to ISs in the future, then they have an incentive to make sure that the president of their national session was a previous IS chair, because then they can give out recommendations. And there's probably at least a quarter or a third of the chairs that are going to be from the NC. So it be kind of it became this cycle. And I remember like I did my first uh, IS chairing experience in 2013. And literally two months, like within a month afterwards, I got my first invitation to preside something. Whereas before that, I had VP'd and chaired a whole bunch of stuff and never got that invitation. And then, yeah, they moved it on to like evaluations, which is saying that anybody in a position of power can evaluate their members. Yeah. And all of those evaluations will be taken into account. I think when I was active, it was already an evaluation system in place, which I still found kind of tricky, to be honest, because... Uh, the things that were written there were so much based on this perspective of this one person that writes you the mm -hmm. thing. I think we're, at least like back in days, we we're still not at the level to really evaluate, you know, what has been happening and how the person really sort of performed objectively. I think this is where it was really tricky. I found that every time you receive something, you knew it will be about your relationship with that person to a certain extent, rather than like, you know, objectively what has happened at the session. And even like when you would receive like some, you know, some positive remarks and like some negative reminds, what I found quite often, it, it was reflecting the values of the person who was writing the thing. So like, let's say if you did something which didn't correspond to the values of that person, like it would be highlighted as something, you know, could be done differently <laughs> and so on and so forth. I cannot say like I received any sort of truly negative recommendation, like no recommendation evaluation. I didn't. So everything was, you know, Natalia can go on and do her shit. But uh, I could read between the lines, you know, because uh, I cannot say whenever I was participating in sessions, I was this very... I wasn't controversial, but I wasn't very linear either. So like <laughs> I was doing things my way during the sessions, which was reflected quite often it's quite interesting that this is like this one-to-one -one thing and then hundreds of people get to read because they have an access to the member platform the, the story gets twisted and twisted and mm -hmm. twisted oh my god yeah 
Yeah, and I personally got to experience the kind of dark side of that when I went to sessions, did things my way, was still learning from things. And then despite getting absolutely no feedback during the session from the board, after the session, I would get an absolutely crushing evaluation made completely filled with negative points. And that very much feels like a shot to ruin someone's EYP career. And yes. The ethics of that, we have not locked down. And that happened to me multiple times and every time by a very experienced EYPer in the lead of that. Hmm. So it wasn't just someone like the first time that it happened. They, I can, should I name drop? Maybe I can do, na- do a bit of name dropping. I, I, because, I think you, you can session drop and then people recognize. But like, I mean, let, let, let's, <laughs> on the negative yeah. side, like we know that Joe, like you've, you've been destroying NC after NC and shitting <laughs> on them. Let's not shit too much on people, but you can refer to sessions so people who are there will know. Uh, okay, let, let's just say that it was Joel recently announced with, that Joel starts with the trace to which I wrote your evaluation like finally we got Natalia on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, no uh, that was definitely not one of those but let's just say that the freshly announced IS president that we have is one of the people that wrote that very questionably based evaluation based on things that I was never <laughs> told about that I was doing something wrong in the first place. Where are we these days on this whole like role of the board kind of a thing? Because like I remember, so I was very active in trainings, right? There was always this whole buzz about that we don't have enough VP and president trainings kind of a thing. Mm. So... Yeah, when I, when I was like, my last session was in 2018. Uh, and yeah, I think that was still like kind of kind of a topic. Okay, we do train chairs, how to moderate and whatnot. We don't really train leadership to know what they're doing. It kind of, that that's what very, very, very got me thinking recently. I was like, I was remembering because I was mostly on the board in my piece. So I chaired quite quite a few times I would say I think I was chair only three times or not and then I moved on to be like on the on either on the board of the session or, or a trainer and I think I had my understanding of my role which was completely mine and I think I wasn't really sure that everybody understood like what they're supposed to do in the same way which I found quite uh, quite tricky to be honest because then you need to communicate this vision to the board you're working with uh, but then also not everybody is on the same page of like what exactly your role with this whole thing is is supposed to be. I don't know. And it also makes it quite difficult to be a chair because oftentimes the president ha- has a very different vision for what the board is there for. And that's not necessarily communicated to the chair's team. Like how are you then supposed to navigate that? Are you still say- trying to shit on me? From from Yerevan. Is this is this it? Like episode after episode, you're just trying to get revenge on me now. <laughs> what what do you think I invited you to co ed host this one? No. Um I think it's definitely I don't know what's happened during the pandemic per se, but the whole how do we train our leadership is very much still on the way. I've heard of some sessions doing some sort of board training days like every session that i do i make a point of forcing people to come to that and i believe eyp finland had one leadership training which from what i heard was a bit of a flop unfortunately but it's still definitely something we as an organization have not yet capitalized on doing on a larger scale i think like it is very tricky I think for people who are actively volunteering in those sessions to be in their role, to be a chair at a long event, super intense. It's mm-hmm. and you are you're young. <laughs> you think you know what you're doing. <laughs> you don't really know what you're doing. But then also like it's just so much stress 
I can count so many so many situations personally where I was really struggling, even though like I was always a bit older than like the rest because I joined EYP quite late. I was almost 20. So I kind of like, I had my way. I wasn't all already out of school. I was finishing my bachelor's. I had some professional experience. I mean, EYP Ukraine was always older than the Western Europe uh, participants, but still. And like, it was such a big of a struggle. Like uh, when I was chairing in an IS in Rotterdam, I, 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 had a, I had a breakdown I've never had in my life before, literally. <laughs> it was it was mental it was it was crazy and i feel like i didn't get in that point enough support from from anybody around me at all so i had really i think different understanding of what were people who were there su- to support me were supposed to do versus like what has been actually going on and then i remember so many times as well like when i was on the board and like so many different situations where i had to deal like one-on-one with, with, with chairs who were completely on like really different journey. So trainees on my trainings than chairs in, in, in the sessions. It's just like everybody's story was so different, but like everybody was struggling. They had their successes, but they also had like their really like, you know, difficult points. So like you have so much responsibility if you are somebody a little bit more senior over those people and over their experience. And I feel like this is, your primarily responsibility at that session. You need to be there for those people. And this is, I'm not too sure is like yet, you know, understood the same way right now in the organization, how much responsibility you actually have when you are in those positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And when it comes to then trying to provide opportunities for these people, um, something just came to my mind, which is how in EYP we, we do always focus in, in, in and say, okay, if there's going to be a solution, it's an EYP solution. We need to build an EYP training on this. We need an EYP initiative. Okay, which NC wants to do this? It's like, hold on a second, there's a huge world outside of EYP there. So like one one training that I'm, I'm quite interested in, maybe even like looking to participate this, this year, is the Leadership Summer School, mm-hmm. which is a really, really, really cool um 10 day event so it's a 10 day training that's like that's normally held in greece uh, actually it cha- changes the place where it's held at each year and it's organized by youth training academy um and they bring together 16 trainers who build a curriculum over 10 days that kind of cover uh, a few different pillars of leadership training and something else um and it's kind of is made there for youth who really want to take that next step when it comes to leadership and so like that's one example but there's probably so many other examples out there and maybe maybe we should be looking at saying okay how can we secure maybe some eyp places or really kind of push the message of these kind of events to eypers and say okay if you go to those then eyp you know the io or different ncs together will actually pay for your participation fee to go to these yeah no i i do think like there are a lot of answers to this can be explored i'm thinking like another thing that i thought about right now was we don't really focus at least the way how i remember it on like forming more long-term you know relationships so in eyp it's either just, you know, in terms of your personal development, right? Like you, you, you go from project to project, you develop different things, like you focus on different things as an individual, you have your so-called EYP career, not, not a fan of saying this, but let's say it's a journey. <laughs> you go to things, you do the things, you learn, you move on. I think in a professional life, for example, it's so much about this knowledgeable sort of reflection and I think we can do so much better there because like both in the ways how we receive feedback, give feedback, but then also like having somebody to actually help you reflect on those things as well. So, I mean, I I do talk about like things like mentorship and, and whatnot, but um, I remember, I think one of the most like memorable and I think to an extent successful things that I did was when I was really deeply into trainings. It was 2016. It was an era where I was like D40, like I participated in T40 in Armenia. I got like super hyped, inspired. I went to a session. It was presided by Team Kextra and it was a nationals in Estonia. 
and they didn't have a, a position for me. And uh, I said, hey, guys, I can be a trainer for you on a team. And what I did, which was, I mean, I had absolutely no idea what am I doing. Trainer at the session. I heard it from somewhere. Somebody at some point did it like some name and whatnot. I'm like, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing, but let's try it. I was like, it was about trainings, yes. So I delivered some modules in the in the chairs training. But then like what has happened afterwards, which I found really interesting, is we had the board, we had VPs and like we had Tim as a president. And yeah, I mean, they were there to to make sure, you know, that the trainings, you know, go <laughs> go along as they planned and then that the chairs go along with the material and with like academic paths and so on. And I was just there for the chairs throughout the session, which was completely random because they were like, okay, trainings is done. Like, what are you still doing here? But I was going around the committee rooms. I was like observing what's happening. And then like every time I had a moment, I just had a conversation with a chair. I was like, okay, you know, tell me what's going on. And they would share with me things. How do they feel, you know? And uh, I found it quite a crazy experience because we were just I was just there for them. I was like, my only job, like, I don't care about your resolutions, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm just there for you, for your experience, you know, chat with me, tell me what's going on, see, let's see. And like, the solutions, they came from within, you know, like, the things they were, they were having a conversation with me. And while having this conversation, they were like, getting inspired, getting those ideas, like, you know, going back to the classroom and like, doing things and I think I, I found it a really interesting format and like for myself mm -hmm. like that was one of those events where like you know I exited it and I was like well it feels to me I had some impact because <laughs> like people were saying thank you to me afterwards and uh yeah I think that was really like you know gratification and like really feeling like I did a good thing but yeah it was simple but I don't know it worked and um I never done it. I never done it afterwards, but <laughs> that was this one thing. <laughs> I think like what you described there is the coaching approach to leadership, and I feel like that is something that anybody on any board can constantly do, which is not kind of going around and trying to solve everything and like make their mark on stuff, but actually just going around and more focusing on just asking questions, listening, and carry on asking more questions. Um, in one session in particular, we um, we kind of created this structure where we said, okay, there are three questions that you're going to be asking your chairs. So you're going to go into a room and you're going to say to the chair, what's going on now? Cool. Um, how would you like things to be in a couple of hours time? What things are you going to do to get yourself there? Cool. And as soon as you ask them those three questions, suddenly that chairperson had a whole plan in mind. They had structure. They understood what they're going to do. And they're like, oh, thank you so much for all these tips. And you're like, <laughs> I literally just asked you a few set of questions. When you start to kind of going with those open-ended questions and just focusing on the listening, 100%. And I think it's something definitely underused in EYP because um, we kind of, I feel like we have this view where we're like, we look towards the board or presence or stuff like this to be like, they have all of this knowledge and they, uh, we kind of put all these expectations on them. And then when we put all these expectations of them, then they're suddenly in that position. They're like, shit, I need to now show everyone that their expectations are correct. They're looking to me to be this source of knowledge, to do this thing. So I need to shine. I need to tell them, oh, you should try this really edgy method and do this this and this and then they do it and it works and it's almost kind of perceived that that's the way that you should be doing things i mean it's also quite a lot about ego right mm -hmm. like the whole ego game of like oh yeah i'm i'm the shit here yes. i know exactly what's going on no you don't that's the biggest problem when you're on the board you are not there in the room you have absolutely no idea what's going on most of the time so the chairs are really like, you know, the source of truth. I, I did work mm -hmm. only with chairs team, right? So like, this is my only sort of example I can give, but that's the truth. They are, they are there the whole time. They have like the most one-to-one -one experience from, from, from what they, they're actually seeing there in the room. So you cannot have, yeah. you cannot like enter there and like be pushing your own truth on them because 
then you will exit and those people will still have to stay in this room <laughs> doing the things. You yeah. cannot just like take them out and be like, okay, you know, I can sort the things out. Um, so. But then that yeah. ego gets in the way. <laughs> yeah. I think the most interesting point here that kind of goes away or like diversifies this conversation from this just a coaching focused kind of like uh, approach to board work is kind of what you were saying about focusing completely on the kind of emotional side of the chairs and their development and focusing away in a way from the resolutions and the output of the session and i think you can do as much coaching work as you can but having the chairs mindset to pull them away from fo focusing on their output when they're talking to you is going to be, that's a completely different thing. And I wonder how like that outside from communicating your vision as mm -hmm. a leader and president or vice president of the session, how can you help the chairs take their focus away from the product and focus on their development when you're having a conversation with them? I guess the the coaching approach could also be used within that because if all, all coaching really is about is like the more emphasis on the asking questions, building a potential structure and sometimes introducing an activity that allows reflection to happen. So for example, if you walk into a committee room and you kind of really see that you have a chairperson who's really kind of focused on how did they, you know, on watering their own ego plants and seeing how do they put their twist onto what's happened in the committee room and you want that to change. Well, the thing is that the chairperson may not be aware of what they're doing. So asking them a certain set of questions, um, on the one hand could help them realize this and then if you want to shift their mentality towards the the development of the delegates and to be a delegate centric um kind of side going on then you can start to ask those open-ended questions so for example you could design a quick activity and you say okay um can you list down 10 different things that your delegates may have learned today and they kind of start to list them down Okay, now I want you to kind of prioritize them and which are the kind of learning points that you feel were most important for your delegates. Okay, what do you feel your delegates could really learn or could develop in a way that they're currently not doing? And then they can start to kind of think about that, write some of these down and then start to discuss, okay, what could change in the committee in order for those delegates to start to learn those kind of things or to develop those skills? And that way you shift the chairperson to really thinking about that delegate's development without telling them that they have to. You're just asking those questions to like lead them to those, to their own truth of it. I think that's a different direction from what I was going for. Like, sure, you can try to shift the chairperson's perspective from the product to the delegates. But I'm more talking about on a large, higher level. Like if the, the chairperson wants to focus on their academic output, but you're not there as a board member to support that academic output, you're there to support the chairperson and their development, then how do you then take them away from that mindset, not to put them in a mindset of focusing on the delegates, but put them in the mindset of focusing on themselves? I think it's... It's really, it's it's really like mixed and difficult topics for for when people participate in sessions, right? Because, I mean, obviously, like it's such a quick paced environment. There's just like so many things. I remember those feelings where, like, you feel like there is so little time. Then you're like, okay, X, Y, Z. You're just in a rush. Yeah. At some point, even like having an opportunity to stop and like have a conversation. I think does help, but it also like it's really difficult for people to 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 you know to open up and start speaking about themselves. But um, I think where it gets really tricky is that this whole like mismatch in between expectations. Okay, what do we expect from you personally to you know to bring to the table to develop when you are, for example, a chair at the session, and like what do we expect also from the product you are developing, which is in our case, the resolutions as well. I think this is where it's tricky when you are when you are on a board. Because like, for example, in my example, 
for me, it was really simple. I was just there for for the support of the of the chairs. You know, I I didn't I didn't care about resolutions because there would be was somebody else <laughs> to, to care about them. But in the end of the day, we we structure our sessions in a way that like whatever happens at the sessions, resolutions still have to get done. And this is really when it gets really tricky because nobody cares like you fell sick or you had a mental breakdown or like, you know, like how do you feel like your resolution has to be done? And uh, I think this is something where like really like a lot of pressure is also put to people like, who are who are then in charge of this during the sessions. As in like on one side, it's all about like all those things they learn personally. On another side, they still have to, you know, to within a very short timeline, drive the development, you know, of this product. So it's kind of difficult to separate those two things. And this is where I don't really have an answer because, you know, on one side you you can have this different approaches. So like what Nathan described is like, you know, pure coaching. My view on this is that it doesn't have to be only one tool in your toolbox, you know, to get to the result. The question is, what is this result that you want to get to together, right? Like, so let's say you are in a board, you're a VP, then there is somebody in your team who is a chair you have a topic you have like them responsible over like 15 delegates like, now what 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 is your goal what are what are what are you aiming for and i think if i can give an example of of this not working out <laughs> then i also could <laughs> in my very last session in ais i think this is very it went like really really tricky because I was there as a chair and I had completely different objectives and uh, expectations regarding the output than, than the board had. And I think this was, was what created a lot of conflict, <laughs> essentially, because um, what I cared about is that my delegates have like a good time at the session and they have learned something. I had a very difficult topic. Uh, at that IS, uh, which was a Sahel region uh, conflict and uh, international spots, which is quite a tricky political issue as well. Uh, and I knew that like the resolution is not going to be, you know, something revolutionary. We are not going to invent completely different way to to conduct your foreign policy. So I kind of came in there with this expectation that like as long as my delegates have learned something and have discovered for themselves something about the topic that they probably never heard before. It, for me, it's already a success. And I came as a chair there with, you know, with this vision, with this mentality, and I was running the whole thing like, you know, this way. And then the board had a completely different expectation of, you know, what's supposed to be there <laughs> in the end. We never discussed it in the end, like there was a resolution, but there wasn't a resolution, which, you know, the board has expected to see. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we had uh, we had quite a conflict around this, like I would say, because I came with the product. I was like, this is a product I supported. That's it. They were like, no, you need to rework it. I'm like, no, <laughs> this is what it is. This is where we arrived. <laughs> I'm not doing anything about it, <laughs> basically. And um, I think that was also, you know, a bit of a mismatch of the expectations because we never really discussed where I'm driving my ship towards and like, you know, how do we, how do we agree? I was pretty stubborn. They were pretty stubborn. And I think in the end, we kind of like <laughs> you know, said goodbye and each, each of us sort of stayed with the opinion. And that was also kind of an experience. And so based on this conversation, it sounds like we have these leaders that are more focused on the journey of the people that are there. And then we have these leaders that are really focused on the output of the session, their academic resolutions. Do you guys think that we should have a kind of a movement within EYP to try and find a more standardized way of what do we want our boards to strive for? Like what are the like mm. kind of larger aims of the organization? Like should we try and try and be, prevent uh, extremities within this scale of uh, personal development versus academics? That's really interesting because... Um... As 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 Natalia was kind of mentioning about about her story there, one thing that came to my mind was kind of seeing it's the reverse of what Joe you were talking about just before, where you were saying, okay, you are a process process and people driven leader. You go to a committee room and someone's really focused on the product, 
and they want their product to look a certain way. And you're thinking about how do I then change them from that perspective? How do I make sure that they're actually focused on the process because this is what should be happening? Whereas in Natalia's case, she was kind of really focusing on the people, on the process there, and then had a had a board member who was like, okay, this is not okay. I need to then focus her on the academic side. So I guess it is true that we we do constantly have this where you have leadership who have a certain perspective. You have somebody actually carrying out the role that is, doesn't necessarily have the same perspective. But then the person in leadership, I feel like it's very easy to kind of feel that you're your belief is the truth that the way that you see things is more right than the way the other person sees things and it is your role to kind of bring them to your view and maybe then in this case as leaders we need to go deeper into that coaching approach where it is not about trying to persuade someone over to your perspective but to help have open conversations and realizations so for example if somebody came to natalia and had a very open discussion and asked open questions to understand what what she thought about the resolution what she thought about the current product about the delegates and their current process and their development and all this stuff maybe they would walk away from that conversation to be like, you know what, this isn't the way that I would have taken it, but I understand it. And if I was in her position, I would change everything, but I'm not her. And the way that she works is through this way, because when you start with those open questions and stuff like this, you're admitting to yourself that Natalia has the right answer for her position in her truth. That's what the coaching approach tells you is that the person you're talking to has the better source of truth than you do. And then you walk away and maybe that you've actually learned something new from what she taught you. And just like when you go to that chairperson who's really focused on their academic side, maybe when you walk away, they go even deeper to the academic side and that you've actually learned something about their perspective. But the question is really like, and the current structure we have for the sessions, how much is there really this, you know, this feeling of trust? Because I feel, you know, in a professional life, the patterns are still the same, right? Nobody who become the first time manager have been, you know, in the management academy. You know? <laughs> they exited it and they had like an A grade. It was like, okay, now I'm ready to be a manager. Most times people get promoted because they get promoted. And, uh, the conflicts, they are the same, different scale. I find it like still very similar. The question is really what I found also in a professional life. What's important, I feel like from, from your manager, from your leadership is like knowing when you work with them that like, A, you are there for a reason. <laughs> you still have a trust, right? Like you, you still have, you still have this trust. You know, we hired you, you're there for a reason. We know you can do things we hired you for. If you completely can't, we will tell you, but otherwise, like, you know, we'll find a way to reach the goals. And then, like, I think the most productive relationships is, like, where you know what are the goals and then, like, you know, your management is helping you to get there in, let's say, your own way. And I think where the conflict then arises is then when you are the first-time manager, you have your own perspective, own way of doing things. All of a sudden, you have somebody who works with you who does things completely different way, you're like, how do I trust this person? And I feel like in the sessions, it's kind of the same, right? Like it's easy for you to work with somebody who, who does things your ways. As soon as there is somebody there who, who doesn't have a completely same perspective as you have on things, on EYP, on like what should sharing be like and whatnot, all of a sudden you, you become annoyed. You're like, okay, this is really not getting well, right? Like, it's like really not going well. I should do something about it. And I think this is where the conflict arises. But like, I think I was always, I had those situations as well where it was really difficult for me to understand. But uh, I still do believe that like, we need to give this feeling that, okay, you are there, you know? You're, you're there for a reason. We, we, we selected you <laughs> for better or for worse, but like now you're there and you have this, you know, platform to do things your way. We're not gonna like, punish you in the end for it or something even though because it's a youth organization come on it's all about learnings right but at the same time i think this kind of a prism of academics is something that i think is really still up to the day really tricky like we, we draft those resolutions right but like there is no golden standard of you know how resolutions should look like 
in my days there was also a lot of bureaucracy and necessary about like how good English should look like or whatnot. I mean, I think we are shifting a bit away from this as an organization, but still, yeah, this is this topic where nobody ever can agree. Okay, how does good resolution look like? And then on one side you are you are trying to do something for the ten days. On another side you are completely not aligned. What's what's your final objective is and how it's supposed to look like and then all of a sudden there is this misunderstanding of like oh i actually did not the thing that was supposed to be there um you know what do we, where do you go from there i think uh yeah i think we we shouldn't avoid this topic mm-hmm. it's not one or another i think one and another you work on this on this product because this is your your objective this is something you know you're going towards this is what our format is like, but then you need to be very clear on like what exactly is this objective, what 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 is supposed to be there. It's not about like parallel track. On one side is personal development, on another side this is this product, and you need to kind of run those tracks in parallels. I think it's supposed to be like considered more more together. Yeah, and with with the. I, I can really, really, really agree on like those similarities like you're bringing from the workplace and to this EYP place where people enter roles and they've never done that role before. They've never really been trained in this role and suddenly they have this leadership and they, yeah, they definitely kind of go through these conflicts and stuff like that. I feel like on top of this, there should be something that we emphasize, which is very different from the working world to the EYP world, which is we're volunteers and we're doing this for free. So if you're in the working world and you mess up and you're not really caring about, or like if, if you mess up really badly and that's going to have a huge knock-on effect to other teams, to other budgets, to profits, to something like this, then, you know, people get fired, people get hired, different things happen, people get promoted, people don't. Like th- th- there is this whole other inner workings within the workplace, but in EYP, we're volunteers who come together to dedicate our time to have fun and to learn. And so I think if I link this back to one of the discussions we're having earlier about, let's say, evaluations, this is a really important thing to bear in mind when it comes to these evaluations. Because let's say, just like Joel said about having that negative experience in an evaluation where somebody can potentially use evaluation to get revenge or something like that. Like I had that. I was in a Ren IS and I really did not get on well with the president. We had personal issues outside of the session. And when it came to the end of the session, like um, I, I hate ISs in general. So I was like, like I'm VP in this one. I'm like, I'm never going to do an IS again. So I do not need an evaluation. And I don't want to give you the opportunity to hurt me through an evaluation. Because I was like, the way that we worked in that session, we were completely disjointed. The board, we basically had to, well, I call the board the VPs. The VPs, we had to basically take over and run everything and almost have to like semi-kick out the president from from our working and everything that we were doing. So I'm like, okay, now this person is going to use abuse their power and try to get revenge on me and hurt me emotionally through an evaluation. So I sent I sent this person uh, an email saying to them, I do not want to be evaluated. And I kind of listed out, I said, we have personal issues outside of the session. I don't want to go into what these personal issues are, et cetera, but we're both aware of them, et cetera. And then he comes back with like a two or three page email going into how I am the person who is uh, destroying his responsibility as a president he's meant to be writing this this evaluation for me and i'm preventing him from fulfilling his duty and kind of going through this is unprofessional and blah blah and literally like a two three page hate mail i kind of got so then i replied back to that and literally it was a chain of non-stop pages after pages after pages i had to get hr involved in the in the international office to kind of step in and i told the whole backstory including the bits that I didn't want to kind of elaborate further with with this president. Uh, and they kind of said, yeah, the, this person shouldn't be evaluating you. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a volunteer. I'm giving my time for free and I don't want to be emotionally, uh, you know, damaged by this person. So I'm choosing not to. And the funny thing is after all of this, 
uh, he and this person ended up still writing an evaluation in which was an eval- a disrec within an evaluation that wasn't an evaluation. So the whole intro to it was saying this person has specifically said that they do not want to be evaluated, so I'm not allowed to evaluate them. But here they it have goes. refused. <laughs> They have refused to kind of give the specific reasons for this, um, which is highly unprofessional, has not allowed me to do. And literally like a huge rant going into me without evaluating me says that this is why I am not evaluating this individual. The funny thing is, that was the only one evaluation submitted on time. Everybody (laughs) else from the chairs team, everybody else, all the VPs, I went out to dinner with the VPs like a week later and they were like yeah we've been sending this person like five messages per week and they never reply to me I'm like (laughs) dude look I get emails I get emails I get all of this stuff so the thing is is that in EYP we have people who are really obsessed with their ego plants and kind of that power and stuff and they can use it to then damage other people and I feel like that's a big distinction that we need to make between the workplace and EYP because we're volunteers we're doing this shit for free for laugh for giggles to learn a bit and to have fun but you know what i find really funny to the professional references side in professional world you don't receive a negative reference because in general and i mean this is studies this is you know personal practice like you rarely will hear from anybody when you ask about their former colleague unless there have been something completely like bizarre you know like sexual harassment which was recorded or like something completely off people would rarely you know go on and give a negative recommendation because you know everybody sort of like puts the line in between we had this experience at the workplace is it worse right now that i go on and like ruin this person's professional career you know this person won't get hired if I give them a negative recommendation. And this is like, for example, where it's really tricky because right now recruiters and like part of the things I'm, I'm, I'm working within the product team is how do we still get useful information from like positively biased thing that people do because people will try to be like more, po- more positive about things when speaking. And you have this in professional world. And then there is EYP where literally everybody's shitting on everybody. It's 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 like, I don't know. It's it's crazy. I find it quite bizarre. I mean, I'm not saying it's like, you know, it's the case, but I, I definitely heard about, you know, Nathan, your story. And then like a couple of other stories that people had these experiences, like, you know, personal vendettas, then like, you know, going around being like, you shouldn't walk with this person. I mean, I need to be objective, right? Like, I also had some people in EYP where, like, you know, I exited the project with them and then, like, sharing with some other friends, oh, no, never again. And then becoming a bit older, I realized that I told those things to those people. Then, potentially, they were in selection panels. They see this name. They're like, oh, yeah, Natalia told me. And, you know, and this goes goes on and goes on. And, like, it's really interesting why, yeah, why people feel free, you know, to, like, sort of behave this way, right? Like. It's uh, because then is it because there is no consequences to this or like, I I don't know, I don't have an answer to this. Like it does stop when you when you get more into your professional life. People still do it, (laughs) but more behind the backs. (laughs) Yeah, I think it might be power play. Like that's really behind it. Like people wanting to feel like they have power over others is like what we're discussing before, why EYPers with ANSYS tend to really, really stuck, stick to their rules with even like, and not, not be willing to make any exceptions in those when it would make sense from a success of an event. And I think it's something to do with that, that you ha- have this kind of authority that you have as a leader and you can get kind of, drunk on that power and what your kind of responsibilities to the network are and that oh yeah i need to make sure the network doesn't make mistakes with this person type of thing but yeah i've definitely been on the receiving end of that in a very very aggressive way maybe we'll have another episode with that with people involved (laughs) <laughs> damn <laughs> this will become like the what the jimmy carl show or something like this damn 
But I don't know. I mean, I, I feel really curious with, you know, also like the long-term strategy development as an organization. I think there is like still this question a bit unanswered of what are we aiming for as an organization in general? Like what's good, what's good mean, means for us? Because like, I think EYP is fantastic and I mean, I'm so grateful for, for all the experience and like it brought me to places in life. I, I, I'm pretty sure like I wouldn't be without EYP. But then like we're doing so many things and we're doing so many things really well because on one side, like we, we do this academia part, we are involved in other sort of youth organizations landscape. We also do this personal development that people don't really do, but it's still, you know, like it's really like spreading it's like multiple objectives as an organization like we want to do this but also we want to do this and this and this and also there is a learning experience and also for our volunteers but also we want to be a stakeholder on the european level i feel like Mm. all of them individually are really nice (laughs) but this is like in business to an extent right if you have multiple Mm -hmm. goals in the end you know what are the chances you you do a really good job like in each and one of them so no this is what what keeps me thinking i think that's what uh, you all you you maybe brought up in terms of like on the session level right like is, is it about you know the resolutions it's about like personal development of people what exactly is this about right like, and i think there is a split on the sessions level but i think it's also on an organizational level everybody has their own story what they're bringing to organization like what they're taking out of it you know which is great but then i also think this is what creates conflict in a way because like everybody sees their organization really differently but then we're still talking about like pretty smart, ambition-driven individuals, especially those who stay in the organization longer. So then they bring all of their visions and their egos and whatever in the organization. And this is where like people start, you know, feeling conflict because this is where it based. People have also like different visions and different approaches towards towards one thing. And then like they, they clash. And uh, I feel like, this is a bit of a playground, right? Because like it's, you told me a hurtful thing and then I'm telling it to you back and it's all on the personal level. No, it's all about what you did at that session and how I think it's wrong and you should have done differently. It's the same, yeah, I don't know. Because like, I think like the power of individual at the EYP is that people can bring things to like a completely next level by just the power of them being themselves i don't know i I mean nathan you you did a bunch of crazy stuff in in your days and like when you were at the sessions you were still actively involved and it was still like a lot about like you know nathan methodology i remember in my days right like it was like a brand of nathan within uip (laughs) so kind of like you know it's like a power of individual and like what are they bringing it's insane like how much of this can develop you know within the organization you know what i mean that's true yeah yeah But uh, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious to see how it's gonna how it's gonna develop over the years. And I guess, I guess that that's one thing that's really cool about UIP is we have more than thirty thousand people who participate on a yearly basis. Potentially during COVID times, a bit less, but of course, you know, we have so many people who constantly participate through self selection. People who participate for more years than others, etc. And a lot of the organization is session-based. Yes, we have some governance, certain governance that are super important to make sure everything is happening. But if we think about 90% of our organization, it is event-based. It is the events that we're constantly holding, those sessions. And because those sessions are then led by different people each time, trying new things, and they have that carte blanche, they can just kind of come up with their ideas and try new things and then roll that one onto the next session and stuff. It kind of creates the perfect environment for innovation. And I guess, you know, at any point you can say, okay, all the innovation we've had so far is kind of led to this point. This is awesome. Let's keep it at this. But we don't know. Yeah, this is just a point in a journey. Where is this innovation going to take us to the next step? Who else or what other group of people are going to be looking at what we've been doing over the past few years and say there's some really cool aspects of this, but there's some really shit aspects. There's some really issue, big issues in UIP. And as we've been seeing, like with the consent culture, with drinking culture, with all these things, they've been changing and different things to the approaches. And maybe there will be a new academic kind of drive in the near future where people see that 
by taking people on a certain academic route, they can actually achieve really great personal development and progress in certain ways that we never thought about. So maybe it's kind of better making sure we have this structure that allows people to innovate the way that they currently do, Mm -hmm. as opposed to anything that decides what is the right way to do the things we do. I think you 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 really say an interesting thing in terms of people having the platform to really like bring in their their personality and like you know their approaches whatnot. I think it is really like what is cool about the YP. I've tried out so many so many things when I was involved actively and uh, I'm pretty sure everybody did who stayed there longer than like you know one to one two sessions. I think it does get tricky when you when you try to kind of like unify all of it on an organizational level. You know, when all of a sudden you you you're like, okay, this is a cool format. How do we like now multiply it and do it EYP wide, forty countries all together? This is an interesting thought in terms of maybe not everything needs to be done this way, right? Like maybe not everything needs to be like you know multiplied on an organizational level. So. I think I think that's a really interesting idea, really, because I saw so many things crashing when when you really try to do it on a or like on a governance level basis. You're like, okay, there's this chaos going on, but we need now to find one approach that is really good, works for all, never happens. So and then there are so many like debates around it, which is like where I do find it curious, okay, okay, what if we just leave it be? Things sparkle, things go. If they if they're needed, they will sparkle again. Like if T for T is needed, it's gonna happen. <laughs> if there is a need for it, it's gonna happen. It's gonna develop. Not everything needs to be happening, you know, in the same way across. That could be also an interesting thing. We end up shitting on so many parts of EYP and people <laughs> and, and people. Entities. And answers and sessions uh, and specific sessions, but Very specific in the ones. end, in the in the end, like we we wouldn't be doing <laughs> this if we didn't love the organization. Like we're in a way, it, it's also important for us to see it develop. And it, it, as uh, I think it was Alistair saying, it's easy to philosophize as a bunch of near thirty year olds. Are no longer active and talking about a youth organization, but oh, maybe maybe someone will get some ideas and develop the organization further based on our talks. Actually, now that we're still recording, for the people that, that are having problems with their evaluations and their precedents, they do take a look at the policy on evaluations because you do have the opportunity to contact the IU about it and have it removed if it's not ethically Ooh. based. I did not know this when I got my first horrible evaluation, but you should probably know that if this is happening to you or someone you know, let them know. It's only available on the members platform. And if not, we also have the open support line that you can call at 01-562-723-942. It will charge you 17 euros per minute, but you'll get through to somebody who will support you in your evaluation.